Welcome to The Voice Now Heard. My name is Jana Young, and this podcast is my story of how a knock on a door upended my life and was the beginning to uncovering layers of secrets and lies. As I process the hurt and betrayal, I want to share what can be learned from looking at life through a different lens. I'm speaking up to reclaim my power and encourage others in difficult situations. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Voice Now Heard. This is episode four, part two of Brainwashed by a Bastard. There was a part one, so in case you didn't listen to that, you might want to go back and listen because it gives a lot of the history and background, kind of the beginning of my relationship with the bastard. And this one moves into what brainwashing is and how I'm learning its impact on my relationship. And I have Randy here with me still to join me again for part two. Thanks, Jana, for having me back. I wasn't sure after part one if I was invited back. <laughs> um, so I would like to hear from you after, as we did part one, because that, that was hard stuff. You know, we were, we, I took you back and we were talking about the good memories of your relationship. So what were your thoughts on part one? I think it was helpful to reflect back that there were good memories and positive pieces and healthy pieces, obviously because you wouldn't go into a relationship if it was so negative and horrible. Exactly. And so I think it's helpful to remember back to what it was and then I can put it together a little more and gives me a little more understanding of how I got to where it was and Exactly. And yes. Yes. Negative. Yeah. I think that that's, that was an important piece to to share with with everyone so are you ready to dive into brainwashing Jana sure it's such a light fun topic here (laughs) (laughs) okay so I would like you to think about what the word brainwashing meant to you before you found out the bastard was living a double life or triple life as we're now uncovering right if I would have heard the word brainwashing before I think of like someone who's pretty naive and gullible, pretty innocent, things that seem obvious, they don't question. Um, when you look at people in the media or just people you've come across that you would kind of describe as gullible, you would think they maybe would be kind of susceptible to be brainwashed. Yeah. Well, and I've been really into those uh, brainwashing documentaries recently. And even as a therapist, I find myself thinking, they're outside now. Why can't they just leave? Why can't they escape? And and it's interesting because I know. I mean, we were, we you know we're in this field, and so I really am excited about tackling this, just to for you to understand how you got there, but also to help others understand that they they may be there as well. So, how do people get brainwashed? The techniques of brainwashing typically involve isolation from former associates and sources of information, an exacting regimen requiring absolute obedience and humility, strong social pressures and rewards for cooperation, physical and psychological punishments for non-cooperation. So let's break this down, Jana, as it relates to your marriage. So isolation, did you experience that? When you read that definition, they seem like such big words yeah like isolated I think of someone who's told to stay inside and they can't leave Mm -hmm. or obedience is a strong word 
And when I think about the bastard and his personality, it doesn't seem to me that he would be like that or fit in the cookie cutter example. Like, if you would meet him, he's just kind of a quiet, normal, funny, nice, honest guy. I mean, he likes Andy Griffin in The Golden Girls. He's just, you would think he's a normal, normal dude. Do normal dudes like Golden Girls? Is that what your face is saying over there? <laughs> Randy has this expression on her face, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> but um, I would say his was more in a covert way. It wasn't your typical way. And I realize that as I start breaking down, I see a lot of examples of where I was experiencing that. So as far as isolation, I think it was like distance created with family and friends. Mm-hmm in a subtle way like if I was upset with someone he would encourage that to create space or if he felt threatened by that person Mm -hmm. he would make it bigger than it seemed also he was always busy so did you feel isolated in your marriage though like isolated from him yes yeah Yeah. which is interesting I think what about exacting regimen do you have any any examples on how that relates to your marriage yeah I think he was a person of routine and regimen and if there was something outside of that there was a lot of anxiety or reaction I think I became an expert at reading his mood and responding for example like when he came home at night if he was upset I wouldn't bring up things I needed to or things I was upset about or things about my day I would just work to keep the peace and then kind of put my needs on the back burner and looking back now that Hindsight, right? So was that a lot of your marriage? Yeah, I would say more so the last few years. Okay, Okay. that makes sense. What about obedience? Were you obedient, Jana? Yeah, that's such a strong word. That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to go back and talk a little bit about my fear of pushing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to his regimen, how regimented he was, like, what were your fears? Um, if you did put, if you did speak up, because I'm sure as a, as a therapist, you questioned some of his behaviors. And I know that you probably wanted to get some, some answers. Right. I think the strong emotion of anger was not comfortable for me. And I had experienced elevated responses in anger. He knew I was not comfortable with that. I didn't like confrontation. And I made it more so about keeping the peace than doing that because I didn't want to deal with the emotional reactivity that came along with it. Um, A couple examples, more recent examples were in December, one time I came home and I had parked in the driveway and he came to the door of the garage and was all animated, like pull into the garage and I pulled in the garage, finished my conversation. I was on the phone. I went in and was like, what's that about? And he's like, the cats were acting crazy. They were over on the door and they were meowing and they wouldn't stop. And because they heard the garage door open and then you weren't coming in. And I said, that's strange because I'm with these cats all day long and they never do that. And now where are they? That's pretty quiet in here. They're pretty calm. How could you do that to the cats, Jana? I know. So unkind to get them all frazzled. But that was just an example of, like, he would Mm -hmm. react over something that wasn't really a big deal or didn't really even happen. And so for you, as you've noted several times, keeping the peace, right? Like, that was huge for you. And that was huge in the relationship. 
Because if you didn't keep the peace, then he was going to be more, he was probably going to present more erratic. Right. Yeah. And I would take things from situations and then be on guard. Uh-huh. Like around that time too, it was getting dark one night and our front window was open and he freaked out and was like, there could be people walking by looking in. You need to close the window. And looking back... I don't know. Maybe the hoe was going to be walking by. Or, right. I don't know. She was in the same neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But for or me. Or he was setting it up to protect himself for you not seeing him possibly walking with her. Right. Right. <laughs> I yeah. mean. And I was like, well, I'm here all day long. I mean, people don't really just walk mm-hmm. by and look in the window. But I took from that and was on guard. Mm-hmm. And if he was around, I didn't leave the window open because I knew there would be some reaction to that. I find it interesting to these examples because it's almost like he did it in a way that he was protecting you, mm-hmm. right? Like I need you to come in because I need your help to protect the cats or I need you to make sure that, you know, you're safe. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. And those were more recent ones. I mm-hmm. think one I have that's kind of an overtime one mm-hmm. was a topic that I didn't bring up because of his reaction. Okay. He had a condo when we got married and still had the condo up until this all happened. I was under the impression he had it. And I would bring it up over the years and he would say, well, I, if I put it up for sale, I'm going to lose so much money. I've talked to people and I'm just going to, it's not going to be a good deal. And I'd say, well, I see other condos for sale in there and they seem to be reasonable and he would just get really angry or freak out and so I wouldn't bring it up very often okay and come to find out since this all has happened I think it was the hoe that told me he didn't have the condo anymore and thanks to my brother and public record started looking and he foreclosed on the condo in 2016 and so our arrangement was I was paying rent because he had a mortgage payment on his condo and when that sold he would help out with the rent more and so when I add up the amount of money from 2016 to 21 2021 that's a lot of money I just was SOL yeah because you're married and he's got another residence that mm-hmm. he's paying for what was what, what what was he saying he was doing with the condo was it just sitting vacant I mean what he was telling you, we all, we know now that it was foreclosed on, but was it just sitting vacant or was he renting it? He said it was vacant okay. and everything was turned off. Okay. Even that, I think, why didn't I question? Like I had a key from yeah. when we were dating. Thank God I didn't like go over there and try to like get in and clean it up and get it ready to sell because someone else would think I was breaking into their house. By that time, someone else was probably living there. But you said earlier he would get really angry when you would bring this up. So of course you wouldn't go over there. Right. I would always end the conversation like, well, if you think of anything I can do to help, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want me to get in touch with some other realtors to look, if you want me to Mm -hmm. go over, you said it's kind of in needs to things updated. I could work on some of that stuff. I have the time I can help out. Mm -hmm. And and what would he say? Just, it would kind of end because he was pretty Mm -hmm. annoyed. Okay. Interesting. Those are great examples. They really fit into most of those. Def- it just fits into the definition of how do people get brainwashed. I, I, I find the um, the rewards for cooperation. I, f- I find that interesting. But really, you, 
you were rewarded because you kept the peace. And he got to continue to, I mean, as long as you didn't question. Right. He got to continue doing what he was doing. Right. And so, therefore, things were peaceful and you were happy and your husband's happy. Right. It wasn't like I was uncooperative yes. and I got a reward for cooperating. Exactly. I was always cooperating. Right. Right. He found a good one. Want to go more into obedience? Yeah, we can definitely go into obedience because you know, when I'm reading this exacting regimen requiring absolute obedience and humility, and humility is one of the the adjectives I use to describe you in part one. Um, so what are your thoughts on like what, what does that bring up for you? Because I know you keep, and I love it. I love it when Jana wants to keep circling back to something because she, she needs this. She needs her voice heard on this. So what do you think about when you, what do you think about when you think about obedience and, and the situation in your marriage? Yeah, it seems like such a strong word. Like mm-hmm. you will obey and be submissive, which never was said. It was more covert. One thing I can think of is phone calls it wasn't said like don't ever call me but I rarely called him when I did call him it was because I really needed something and he was either busy at work but I know he was on vacation but he had it set up so that he always called when it was convenient for him Mm -hmm. and it was kind of not questioned that I didn't ever call or there's times I called and I got that reaction. And so I was like, Oh, I'm probably bothering him. I'll just wait for him to call. Mm -hmm. Also, he always had his phone with him kind of face down Mm -hmm. on silent, really never left it alone. And it was just implied like that. I wouldn't ever mess with it. Did you ever like looking back now during that time, did you ever think that was odd that those behaviors were odd? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, someone so attached to yeah. our phone. But yeah, I, I, that, but more importantly, that it was implied that you wouldn't call him, he would call you. Did you find right. that was odd? Yes. Okay. I think I was so conditioned at that yeah. point that, like, work's so busy, and every time I call, exactly. there's always something going on at work, so mm-hmm. I probably should just not bother him. Go back to the cooperation, right? You're, right. you're just... Keeping the peace. Keeping the peace. Mm-hmm. I think another example of that is at the end of our conversation on the day everything happened in December, when I mentioned possibly going by the address because it was so close, he said, well, you better not do that because that's how people get shot. And it was kind of said in a, I guess, light, fun manner, if that can be a light, fun manner. It wasn't said with the harsh tone, but it was implied like you better obey what I'm saying and not go over there. I think he knew or thought I would mm-hmm. never do that, but he needed to add something extra in there to imply that so that I wouldn't. Yeah, and I I remember you sharing that with me, and I think for me that was when I shifted more into oh wow he because at at that time when you were sharing things with me when this first happened you you didn't know a lot of information, but I think that example for me is the one that shifted it all for me like ooh this guy he's a mastermind. Mm-hmm. And you're going to continue to uncover stuff. Yes. Okay. So let's go into how does a brainwashed person act? Someone who is brainwashed rarely questions things that they're told by their leader or the person they look up to. And they often don't have their own opinions. Helping someone who's brainwashed can be challenging and it can take a long time since their ideas are deeply rooted in their mind. 
and I know we kind of talked, we just, some of the examples we, we, we talked about, he just really didn't question things. So do you have any? I think I would question only so far the last six months, my gut was telling me something was off. I think I was questioning Mm -hmm. more things, but the response I got was not really defensiveness. It was almost indifference. And a lot of times the reason was plausible enough. So even if I wasn't totally at peace or satisfied with the answer, I would kind of let it go. Um, I think also he always knew where I was, like not in a controlling way, like tell me where you are all the time, but I would just let him know what I was up to. So he would know if I'm home or not home. I'm an introvert. And when COVID was going on, mm-hmm. I was working from home and home a lot more. I thought I was trying to be safe because of my dad's health issues. I thought we were both on the same page mm-hmm. with that, but obviously not. So. And how many times did he get COVID and have to be in the COVID hotel? Well, he stayed at the COVID hotel every weekend. Okay. He, he got COVID supposedly in August and had to be away for a week or so. Okay. To protect which you. Is interesting because since this all happened in January, I think it was, he texted me that he had COVID Mm -hmm. and I texted back, well, I'm sorry if I don't believe you because you told me you had COVID one other time and it was a lie. So I don't know if you really do or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's excellent, Jana, because, you know, we talked about it in part one about fake cancer twice. So, and how you didn't question it. So you questioned this. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess another thing I didn't question looking back was his work. Mm-hmm. Like it dominated our life. I knew it was important to him. It's one of the things I respected about him was sure. his hard work ethic, that he's worked his whole career to get where um, he was. And I wanted to see him succeed. So I thought my sacrifices were supporting him. And I didn't really question. I was told... Um, Co-workers knew he was married and he didn't know their significant others and he was busy at work events. So it'd be strange for me to go by myself, but that with his promotion, there would be more opportunities, but that never happened because of COVID. But with him telling you, I'm going to get promoted, all of this hard work is going to benefit us and we'll be able to be together more. Right. Okay. And it bothered me that I didn't meet people. Sure. So I would question to an extent but then just kind of take that at face value Mm -hmm. and then the work stories became more dramatic and stressful and how would you respond I think the last six months I started getting a little angry I was starting to get resentful Mm -hmm. towards his work because I thought he was being taken advantage of and I felt sorry for him so I think I responded by like validating his feelings mm-hmm. rather than kind of questioning the stories. Anything else you want to add there before we move on? I think those were the main examples okay. as far as not questioning. Um, That's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly how someone who is brainwashed acts. They don't question what, what I mean, cause you are taking this at, I'm, I'm I'm happily married. This is my husband. I'm supportive. I trust him. I trust him. Mm-hmm. He's climbing the ladder at work. What, right. what can I do to make his life easier? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, Jana, I want to move into 
Gaslighter. I think this is interesting. You know, it's loosely defined as making someone question their own reality. The term may also be used to describe a person who presents a false narrative to another group or person, thereby leading them to doubt their perceptions and become misled, disoriented, or distrust. distressed. Oftentimes, it is for the gaslighter's own benefit. So, some common strategies gaslighters use include, and we're going to go line by line here, okay, because okay. these are these are probably going to, um, I mean, would you agree with me that the bastard is a gaslighter? Yes. Okay. Now so, I see that. Now you see that. But then you didn't. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go line by line here. So examples. Number one. They blatantly lie. The abuser blatantly and habitually lies to change another person's reality. Could you please share some examples? Sure. And I would say he was really good at lying. And there's always enough reasonable part of an explanation that would seem believable or plausible. And the answers were just so quick. Like there was never any hesitation or and delay. And calm, right? Calm. Like some of the things that you've shared with me, so calm, nonchalant. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think when you say gaslighting, the first example that comes to mind is I had seen him around the past few months. Like we have a gas station in our neighborhood, a store. And I saw him around one day and I called him and said, oh, hey, I just saw you. And he said, well, unless you're at my job, it wasn't me. Wow. Which, that's a perfect example of gaslighting. Because yeah. then I questioned, did I really see him? Uh -huh. Was that really him? And I know it was. And every time I saw him, I would call and it would be like another really quick story. So I don't know if during those months he was letting his guard down a little more and wasn't as cautious or... They really were times when I was just kind of running out during the day to do mm -hmm. something. So maybe he thought I was just working from home remotely and I never left. Yeah. I find it interesting that you, so, because you, you didn't call him. Did you text him? Like, how did you let him know, hey, I just saw you? Cause I called him. Oh. Oh. Because I thought he's not at work and not busy because I just saw him in oh, his car. You broke the code. I did. You were a little rebellious. The last six months, I got a little something didn't feel right. Right. Any other examples? Sure. I know we've talked in other episodes mm -hmm. about the COVID hotel. That yes. was a blatant lie that he was there all the time. Because he had to go there for work. I mean, was it for work? Mm -hmm. or Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, students who needed to quarantine stayed there. Mm -hmm. And he supposedly had to go there every weekend, sometimes on weeknights, to monitor them to make sure everyone was... Oh, he's selfless behaving mm -hmm. nice of him to go and and take care of them mm -hmm. did he also go there when he was when he had covid no oh. he went to the fake um the place he said they'd go for work retreats like an employee's house he had gone there because it was an extended period of time you know oh wow but that's a good question why didn't i say like why didn't you just go to the covid, COVID hotel? hotel yeah oh, yeah i don't know any others? Yeah, I think. Oh, the travel. You, you got to. Yeah, you got to talk about the travel stories. These are intense. <laughs> I forgot about the travel stories. Now, looking back, I know these were blatant lies. But in the fall, he went on a trip for work. 
And on his way back, there was a flight that had to be redirected, and it got back to where they started because the pilot had a health issue. Okay. Which happens, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was delayed, and for days, couldn't get flights back home. Ended up, like, on the East Coast, had to stay for a couple days, like a whole week. He was just, flights were canceled. And even that, like, that was an extreme, but to me, part of it was plausible because... Yeah. A lot of flights are canceled these mm-hmm. days, and people have problems getting home. Absolutely. So I rationalized it. But you were also worried. I remember you reaching out to me and letting me know that. And you were like, oh, mm-hmm. poor bastard's stuck again. Yeah. And well, you didn't call him that then, but right. that's what we call him now. And you were worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one in December, he was traveling and was supposed to come back, like, Sunday night. And the... Get this, the pilot had an issue, and they had to land the plane, and they were on the runway, and they wouldn't let them out of the plane, and they just had to sit there, and they didn't know what was going on. He was texting me, he was crying, because he was so upset that they had to wait, and no one was telling them. And then they asked if there were any mental health professionals to help the crew, uh, because it must have been something really big that happened with the pilot that they saw. So they had to sit on the runway, and then they got off, and then the next day they couldn't get flights, and then he got sick, and I thought he was all week sick at the hotel, and Hmm. I think he came back. I found out he came back that Monday, so he was really across the street for the week and not really on his work trip. So I know we're we're not talking about his profession, but I I hope he's a writer because he's very creative. (laughs) Could come up with a novel. We could write a script. That's, yes. a, those, that's a really good story that he was able to come up with on the fly. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Not really Just impressed. Just kidding. Okay, so the second one. They attack things important to you. Do you have any examples with that? I know we've talked about just the, these are really strong words. Like when I think of attack, um... I don't know about attacking. I I know something that was important to me is my family and he would kind of attack my my mom and her opinions and some of her political opinions. And that made family events really stressful for me. He was an only child and my family was big and overwhelming to him and so I was always worried about him not enjoying himself. And it made it not as enjoyable for me. Number three, they project. Now, did you have any examples of of this, Jana? Did he ever project his stuff onto you or to anyone else? I would say he was kind of one big solid projection. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we need to go into any examples okay. there. Cause the whole thing. The, right. Yeah. Uh, they manipulate your relationships. Do you have any examples there? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is my relationship with my sister-in-law. I mentioned before that they had worked together and when we were dating, she made that connection that she knew him, but I think he felt threatened because she had connections to his work. That's the main relationship I think of as far as manipulation. Well. In, in part one, you you discussed his family a little bit, too. I mean, I think 
Yes, with, with like Sally. he manipulated that they were estranged when they really weren't. And Sally had or, mental mental health problems. Yep, and or dementia. Dementia. She was getting yeah. dementia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other one, number five, they wear you down. I don't think I've said this yet, but I wish some of you could be in the room as we're recording because Randy will read these <laughs> and my facial expression is just like, yep, that that happened. I would say I didn't realize this as far as how worn down I was. I think it's exhausting to be in a hypervigilant state, just not knowing what to expect, what comes next, what's the next crisis, how am I going to take care of this and keep the peace. So, yes, I was very worn down. <laughs> and then six, they dangle compliments as weapons. So, did he give you compliments? Mm, not really. Not really a compliment dangler <laughs> on a regular basis. I can think of probably two times in the past six months where he complimented me about being proud of my biking and mm-hmm. being proud of how I was handling the situation with my dad. But I think it's hard to give compliments because that means you have to notice the other person and care about them enough to compliment yeah. them. And it was usually about him. So I do have a question for you though. So, you know, it does say they dangle compliments as, as weapons and he didn't give you compliments. So if he wasn't dangling compliments, what weapons did he use to keep you loyal to him? I think feeling needed, Mm -hmm. like he presented himself as fragile or upset or needing my support. Okay. I think that's, that's probably very true. Okay. So let's go into, and I know this, this next one is, is hard for you. So we'll take your time. There may be some pauses on this. Is brainwashing a form of abuse? Brainwashing is one example of how abuse in relationships parallels torture. Brainwashing makes it easier to control a targeted person, and it makes it harder for the person to see their way free of the relationship. So what is your initial reaction to this definition? Because I know when we were talking about doing a brainwash episode, I brought that up and your face was like deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I thought it was a good plan. Words like brainwashed by a bastard, but once I started really thinking about the word mm-hmm. as a therapist and working with a client, I would think you would see like typical abusive techniques like controlling or verbally demeaning. And so I don't see a lot of the typical behaviors, which makes me hard to like accept the word brainwash. Sure. Um, because I had independence he wasn't verbally demeaning he just wasn't very good at building up at all yeah Um, it was a one-sided relationship right I mean retrospect yeah Mm -hmm. so I think I'm still processing through yeah the I think the term catches me off guard but I'm Mm -hmm. still kind of processing through what it really means Mm -hmm. I think that's fair and you know also I want to point out too you didn't know that you needed to be free. I mean, you took your vows very seriously. You loved being a wife to him and that got used against you. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you were just being loyal. Yeah. It never really crossed my mind. Like I'm trapped and I can't leave this or I'm being mind fucked and I can't get out of here and what's going on. Yeah, I didn't feel trapped, but 
since I've been healing, I mm -hmm. feel so much more free. Yeah. And so I can see the difference now that I really was Trying. stuck. Yeah. 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 So how does brainwashing affect the brain? Long-term effects of brainwashing have been linked with complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Withdrawal, withdrawal from life as well. Victims of brainwashing often internalize their anger, which leads to depression, anxiety, and sometimes suicide. So you've been disco discovering that you were brainwashed. Mm -hmm. Did you experience any of these effects? And I've talked a little bit about in my healing process. I don't know how much I've talked about this, that my anxiety increased, that I was really depressed. I think I did have thoughts of, not wanting to be alive or what does my life look like now without him? Like my identity was so much in my marriage and my relationship with him and thought we'd grow old together right. and die. Like, so what is my life like now by myself and feelings of worthlessness? Like, how did I miss this? Mm -hmm. This is so big. I'm an idiot for not seeing it. So those are all things I've struggled with and anger. I don't know if I'm angry enough. Like I've had a couple periods of that but it's something I'm still kind of working on and being aware of because I know if I internalize that it's gonna gonna make the process not go as quickly mm -hmm. as far as healing good okay so I'm gonna go into four ways to avoid being brainwashed in life or at work so we'll go line by line again know yourself all too often we don't take the time to know ourselves what are your thoughts on that yeah, I thought I had a good grasp on mm -hmm. who I was as a person, and now I'm realizing I really lost a lot of myself in the relationship, and I'm only realizing that as I'm kind of discovering again what mm -hmm. I am separate from the marriage, what brings me joy, and as part of my healing process, getting to know myself again. And I also want to add, too, what we talked about earlier, they wear you down. So mm -hmm. think about that. You probably did, did know yourself going into the relationship. I just want to like circle back to that. You probably did know yourself going into a relationship, but when you're with somebody that is a gaslighter or personality disordered, they wear you down. And over time, it's like, it's just easier to keep the peace. And mm -hmm. so that's when you start losing sight of yourself. So I want you to, to remember that. Okay. Okay. Um, have vision for your life and your career. Yeah. I think I had probably confusion during okay. our marriage of different things I wanted to do and I've had time to reflect on how I want to use my skills and qualities like I don't really have limitations now I can kind of do what I want with my life and career like a podcast like a podcast <laughs> think and be curious that goes with not ignoring my gut yes and <laughs> learning how to be curious and asking questions Ask until I'm at peace with the answer rather than letting it go if there's still something festering that I feel like I need to know. And, and keep going even if the person has a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, being assertive yeah. and I think not always agreeing. Like if someone asks, like, when do you want to meet? I'm always like, when's good for you? Or anything they say to me, I'm like, it's okay. It's, it's okay even if it really isn't okay. And I always put the other person first rather than thinking about what I want in a situation. So being aware of that 
and being more assertive and not always agreeing. I think that's good. What about being open but stay grounded? Yeah. This one's hard for me because I wonder, like, how do I ever trust my own judgment mm-hmm. again? Not only how do I trust someone else in relationship because of the damage done and just the brokenness I've experienced, but I feel like the only way to do that is to be grounded and start learning again little by little and then be able to trust my own judgment again. I think that's great. Are there any others that you could think of that you'd like to add after having your experience on just ways to maybe avoid being brainwashed? Just that it can happen easily. Yeah. Like I realizing as I think through and examples that come to mind that I was experiencing it, but it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was just Mm. gradual Mm -hmm. and over time. Okay. So I had you define what brainwashing meant to you before your experience. So I want to know how you would describe brainwashing in your life now after we had our conversation today. Yeah, I think as we break down each definition and words and example, there's something in my experience that goes with every one of those. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you said something and I'm like, oh, I, I can't think of anything or that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. When I really think about it, I can see that I was, but I didn't realize in the middle of it. Did your family, friends ever question his behaviors? That was something I really wanted to just kind of pick your brain on. I mean, I know that I always thought it was odd, and but I don't ever remember saying where is he because I knew you were very independent so yeah I think if they had concerns then it was probably more that he worked all the time like wasn't it holiday things that he um, really had some stories that were a little unbelievable especially the last six months but I don't think any of them would have been concerned that he was having an affair I know now that everything has happened Mm -hmm. they've been more open saying what they thought or of him my mom actually we were at lunch (laughs) a bit after this happened and she's very for those of you that don't know my mom she's a very kind christian woman doesn't really demonstrate strong emotion and she said to me you know jana i just i don't understand things to the party (laughs) Like, I thought he was just a big blob of nothing, and I thought it was a mercy marriage. Like, you felt bad for him, and that's why you married him. And I was just a bit speechless because it was so out of character for my mom. But I was like, wow, that's really what she's thought of him yeah. all along yeah. and never really said. She finally felt free as well to share her opinion. Yes. Wow, interesting. Would not having the concern of it causing, yes. like, dissent in our exactly. relationship or strain. Mm-hmm. So, I just feel like when we take a look at everything and everything that you've been through and all these scenarios that you can, they're unbelievable. And and I I definitely believe you because I know your character, I know who you are, and I know exactly how hard this is for you to share because you're private and to say anything negative about anyone. So, I know this has been really hard for you, but, you know, how do you respond to people who listen to your podcast and, and just have thoughts like, no way this is real? Like, no way she went through this. Yeah, I think you're right on with me being a private person and talking about negative things is hard for me and really out of my comfort zone. I think all I can say is that 
it's part of my healing journey and as I'm going along I'm uncovering things and connecting it all and I thought I was in a mutually respectful happy recently happy marriage Mm -hmm. and now I'm realizing how untrue that was so I feel like I'm being as honest and authentic as I can and I know it's my truth and I can't really worry about what other people are going to think or how they're going to respond I just am hoping that in some way it will be helpful excellent and I love what you said there you can't worry about what other people think because that is how you ended up I mean that's how you ended up in a brainwashing really a brainwashing relationship Mm -hmm. so you worried about what his how he would respond to you know to you and his emotions so Okay, so I had something else I, I wanted to, to bring up. I was thinking as you have been doing this, because this is episode four, I would like to see, this is all completely up to you, it's your podcast. I feel like you need a and a with your followers. <laughs> so I know people listening are <laughs> going to have questions. I mean, I I heard a lot of stuff here for the first time and you, you heard my questions. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's too soon? You think that would be helpful? I think it would be helpful. I've also gotten some feedback that people have questions about things and I'd be open to that if people want to submit questions to me and maybe kind of gather them over time and figure out a way to incorporate it. I did have some Instagram issues. I'm still learning all this technology stuff. Um, so now my Twitter and Instagram are the same. It's Jana Voice Now. So if you would like to message me on one of those, okay. feel free, and I can start kind of putting the questions together. And and if it's big enough, could we do a Q and A episode? Sure. All right. All we'll right. Have you back? Yes. Round, Thank round you. Round three. Round three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? I think that is. I think that's it. I think you did a really good job today. I do want to say that you did a really great job today. This is hard topic. This is a hard topic. Whether, you know, as a therapist, you're discussing this with a client, it's a hard topic. But the fact that you are so open and going through this and willing to share your experiences, I, I, I just, my hat's off to you because I think you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. And it's part of your healing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you joining and kind of helping with the discussion. I want to go through at the end of every episode we do I do some lessons learned I have a few one is even though my character traits were used against me um, I'm a very kind loyal trusting supportive person and those were used against me and because of that I still don't need to change who I am but need to figure out how to operate without being taken advantage of I really feel like this is the way I was created and those are things that make me who I am and I need to not become jaded or cynical, but use those and learn to use them in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Second one is being open when friends and family have concerns. Um, I'm aware now that when things were brought up, I felt a need to defend him and to be loyal. And I would just encourage people, if you know someone in this situation, be okay with having hard conversations and just over time maybe plant seeds and they may be more open. 
Another one is that this can happen to anyone. It's not your fault and it doesn't make you less of a person if you're in a situation like this. Um, Sorry. It's okay. I think that... I almost made it through to the end. I know, but this, when I said earlier, I, I am proud of you for, for putting all of this out there. This is it right here because this stuff that we're talking about is hard and and you went through it mm -hmm. and you're going, you're still going through it. You're still uncovering stuff. And so things are going to trigger you at different points. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, everyone knows I'm doing this for others as well. So if you are in a situation and mm -hmm. I just want you to know it's normal to feel shame and embarrassment and feeling like you need to keep what happens in your marriage private and it can just be very isolating and lonely. But if anything you've heard on this episode is resonating with you or you feel like you're having a similar experience, please reach out to someone in your support system or a yes. therapist. Very important. Um, get someone who is outside of the situation that may have a little more objective opinion. Um, I think that's very helpful mm -hmm. with a therapist, but even reaching out to someone in your support system, just be willing to do that and, and start asking yourself some questions. Mm -hmm. My quotes are, they don't lie to you because the truth will hurt your feelings. They lie to you because the truth might provoke you to make choices that won't serve their best interest. Learn to see truth with your own eyes. Never believe what someone else tells you. You can't come to a new point of view unless you realize what your brainwashing has been. That is Morton Kelsey. And then the last one is when you replace why is this happening to me with what is this trying to teach me, everything shifts. Yeah, that's huge right there. I think that is everything. Thank you everyone for joining us and thank you Randy for being here and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you, Jana. Hello and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, review and share. All those things you do when you love a podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Jana Voice Now, and Twitter at Jana Voice Now. Also on Facebook, The Voice Now Heard.